What's your What's your professional voice, actually? <clears throat> I'm Autumn Brown, a queer science fiction writer and a theologian, a mother of dragons and a healing justice facilitator for social movements, living on Dakota and Anishinaabe land, currently known as Minneapolis. That's how I would do it in a professional voice. And I'm Adrienne Marie Brown, a writer, student of miracles and love, emergent strategist and pleasure activist, living on Anishinaabe territory, currently known as Detroit, Michigan. I would say that's more of a like erotic audiobook reader than professional, but yeah. let's go with it. Yeah, we didn't say professional of what. <laughs> and this <laughs> is <laughs> how to survive the end of the world. Our podcast about learning from apocalypse with grace, rigor, and curiosity. And welcome to season five. <laughs> doing this i guess with our lives now yeah i when we (laughs) when we had that meeting where we were like let's plan season five i was like i can't believe those words just came out of my mouth like that is that's a real thing like five seasons in four years you know yeah 2017 2018 2019 2020 oh i guess yeah we're now this is five seasons five years math is tricky whatever it feels like four years time is a construct (laughs) It's weird. Um, I mean, yeah. <laughs> like, there, yeah. Anyway, I mean, it is and it isn't. It right? is and it isn't. So what we know is we've been busting tail getting this podcast out. And then we took a break. And now we're back. And we wanted to, we're going to stick with the segments. That's one big thing we learned from last season. People like the segments. the segments. People like the segments. We like the segments. Works for us. And Y'all like the segments, and it just kind of gives us a little bit of a shape to move into mm-hmm. when we're having these conversations. Um, so we're going to keep the segments, and the first segment is just checking in with each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Autumn, how are you right now today? Well, I have to say, right now, today, I've had a really good week. I had a really, really mm-hmm. good week. Um I had a week that has involved a lot of sweetness um, mm. and ease with my kids, and <clears throat> and you know the last whatever two years, <laughs> um, mm. but especially the last year, you know, it's been such a roller coaster that me and the kids have been on that I don't ever take for granted when we have three to four days in a row where things feel easy um (laughs) where it's like ah you're just going to bed when i tell you to go to bed and (laughs) oh you're just looking and you're staying in bed and and oh you're expressing gratitude for the things i'm doing that's nice you know that's wow i know um you know so it's you know i'm not I'm not hanging my hat on it. I know it's not permanent, but it's nice. It's really nice. And um, so it's been a it's been a good week in that regard. Um, weeks like this week, you know, um, when when this episode airs, 
um, it will be be beyond the point that we are right now inside of this renewed climate catastrophe moment where, um, you know, this deep cold that's fallen across so much of the U.S. and then is particularly um, deeply impacting everyone in the state of Texas and just how many people have died and how many people are at risk, um, both because of climate catastrophe and and also just infrastructure um yes and so in that context i just feel i am so grateful to have a warm place to live and to feel i'm grateful for those just the you know the fundamentals the fundamentals of um Mm -hmm. being able to be secure and safe in my own home um so i think yeah this week has been like really just about noticing when there's sweetness and ease and being really grateful for it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How are you? I love that. I, I, overall I'm doing good. Like if I was a 50 layer cake, like the top 35 layers are like great. Um, delicious. And I can delicious, um, tasty, many flavors. Um, Delicioso. I don't know what that was. I was like, where is Dora? Um, so, and then I think there's some perturbation underneath all of that that. You said perturbation. Is to, I said it and I meant it. Um, and if you want to know what I mean, go look it up. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I feel that. I mean, what you, what you said, it's just like we're in this moment where. You know, when I notice that I'm doing good or that things are going well, I'm also aware, right? I'm like, I'm like, I'm warm, and there's a lot of people who are not warm, mm-hmm. which is a that to me is part of the rhythm of living in Detroit every year, right? Um, right. And then it just, you know, right now it just feels like, oh, these the changes in climate, the changes mean that suddenly a huge, much higher number of people are facing these crises, and with what part of me do I hold and respond and send my mutual aid and send my care in that direction yeah. while also staying centered in myself. Um, and then there's also just the perturbations of changes. So I, um, I keep noticing how inside the stillness of my life in pandemic, um, I'm becoming so much more sensitive to a, a different range of changes in myself. Hmm. So like, you know, I used to be home just two to three, two to four days a month. Right. <laughs> and so I was just like, who has time <laughs> to notice how yourself is? Right. You're just flying everywhere. Right. Um, and now that I'm home, I'm like, oh, I notice the difference in how I wake up from one day to the next mm-hmm. and how I go to bed from one day to the next. And, um, I've really been paying a lot of attention to my plants. This morning I did a bunch of repotting with my sweetheart of like, this should go here and this one can go in. This one's grown into a much bigger pot and you know, all those kind of things. Mm. And I felt this awareness of, oh yeah, I'm such a plant. <laughs> I'm such a plant. Like, <laughs> yes, you, can you are. You just really see. Yeah. I'm like, if I'm not watered, I will droop. Right. And I outgrow pots like a motherfucker and I really need a certain relationship to sun and to song and Mm -hmm. all the things that my plants need like at a very fundamental level i can really feel the plant self of me um and 
it's really delightful to have the time to be attuned to myself and to be tending and gardening myself. What, <laughs> what kind of plant are you? Bromeliad. Mm, I love how sure. quickly you had an answer to that question. <laughs> well, you know, my desk, my desk, quote unquote, mm-hmm. the dining room table that I have requisitioned mm-hmm. is covered in two massive aloe plants, one spider plant, and a little orchid, and then these two show-off bromeliads. And I, I love them. Like, they're very, they look like, they're like, I'm heading towards a bird of paradise, but I'm right here <laughs> right now. I don't know. There's just something, it's like, I'm bombastic, but still really but earthbound. holding still. Really. Mm-hmm. I'm holding still. I catch, I have all these little... It's like a little rain catchment system, the way bromeliads are structured. So it's like I'm learning how to water it. You know, I'm like, oh, I should pour water like you would receive water in nature. So from above, mm. not directly into your soil. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Just things like that. But they're very colorful, um, but still kind of humble plants. I don't know how to describe it, but I just, That's every cool. time I'm around, I'm like, you and me, bromeliads, <laughs> like, let's kick it, you know? And we share the first three letters of our, our names. So. That's right. Bro bros. Bro bros. And you too could be in the Bromeliad family system. I could. <laughs> so, yeah. So that's that's overall how I'm doing. I've been staying warm um, inside my – I just never leave my house. So that is a new experience too. I'm just like – Yeah. I went to the doctor. So I'll tell, I'll tell folks this. I had to go to the doctor because – my, I have this piercing that I've had forever that got infected for no reason. Just was like, hey. It just decided, um, today's the day. Today's the day. Today's the I day. actually think that it was my ear being like, we need to go outside. We just need to. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, I don't understand why this is happening. Nothing has changed externally. But, um, well, yeah, I have a whole other theory that I may or may not bring to this podcast, but. Anyway, my ear got infected, mm-hmm. and it swole up, and when it de-swole, word I'm making up, yeah. when it de-swole, the back of the earring was living inside of the ear, the cartilage. <gasps> it was, was in no the cartilage? Out. Yeah, it was like inside, right? Like the back, the hole in the back just grew closed. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah. So I was like, huh, on one level. I feel like there should be a trigger warning this... accompanying the story. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, none of it, like, it didn't, yeah, sorry. No, keep going, keep going, keep Um, going. I'm good. (laughs) Everything medical for me, I'm always like, oops, too late. That's gross. But, like, when I was in it, I was just like, I'm the kind of person who's very, like, fascinated by even the gross, you know, like, as something gross is happening with my body, I'm like, wow. Wow. (laughs) Like, my whole side of my head is pulsing, like, could this impact my brain? What's going on? You know? <laughs> um, so the doctor was like, this could not impact your brain, but it mm-hmm. just could but be it uncomfortable does, for a while. But it does need to come out. <laughs> let's take it out. So I want to say the doctor who did the surgery was so consent-based, and it was really funny. <laughs> like, like every step, like they numbed the whole side of my head in order to do it. And then at every step, he was like, now, do you feel this? How's this? Is this Okay. How's mm-hmm. that? And I'm like, it's all numb. And just do if it. you didn't say anything, I wouldn't know that you were doing anything. Just take it out. Which would be my preference. <laughs> I just want this out of my head. I don't want to know what you're doing. How's this? 
What about that? Do you feel that dripping? No. I was like, no, dripping? What? What's dripping? <laughs> where <laughs> like, would I possibly um, feel that? <laughs> where could I feel dripping? Um, is it in my ear? And then he had this, like, assistant who was coming in this this younger guy who was, like, learning, which I've been watching a lot of Grey's Anatomy, so I'm like, oh, like, okay, I think I know what's going on here. Right. Um, That's what we call an intern. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. Um, so, and the guy kept looking at me, just making eyes, like, just kind of like, I know. It's yeah, a lot of questions. <laughs> and I was just like, because I would get like little worry eyes, like, should I feel that? Right. How about this? Does this hurt? That Does that hurt? Do you feel that? Do you feel that? And I was like, no. <laughs> like, God. Anyway, so long story short, I'm an earring less. I'm one You're earring one less earring less. Ears. One earring less. I'm one earring less and I'm, and I'm all right. I'm glad. I'm glad. Yeah. Well, this feels like a good moment to um, <laughs> transition to our flume of rage. Petty, angry. Flume of rage. Flume of rage. Flume of rage. Flume of rage. The thing that flume is really bothering me um, is when people can't recognize bullying behavior as it's happening. Ooh. I just feel like. The like bully? Or other people. When other people can't recognize that someone is a bully. <clears throat> and, you know, I recognize that, like, that different, that different people have different sort of, um, we all have different levels of access to empathy. Um, and even in a, even in a lifetime, our, our access to our capacity for empathy changes quite a lot um and then and then there are some people who just don't experience a lot of empathy and there are other people who do who experience you know too much empathy right that creates a whole other set of issues um (laughs) stop talking about me um (laughs) but but I do think that there's there's something that I I just I see this um in relationships um and in, in lots of different contexts, lots of different relational contexts that someone, one person will be engaging in behavior that's very obviously bullying, intimidating, um, manipulating, gaslighting, you know, undermining all those things. And then, and, and then, you know, watching the people around that person really like, engaging all of these different stories to avoid having to see the behavior for what it is. Uh, and and I think, you know, one of the things that um, one of the trainings that Aorta has done off and on over the years is like a bystander intervention training. Um, What's Aorta for people who... <laughs> right, that's right. Aorta is the Anti-Oppression Resource and Training Alliance. Um, so mm-hmm. that's that's my political home. That's the, um, the um, site out of which I do all of my, like, political work. Um, right. And we do a lot of political education. And one of the things that yeah. on and off over the years we've done some political education around is bystander intervention um yes you know which falls within a whole spectrum of of you know of work that people do around 
harm, intervening on harm, holding people accountable for harm, and also just mm -hmm. creating conditions of community safety. Um, and, <clears throat> you know, I think even though I knew rationally why that kind of training is necessary, it's becoming yeah. more, more obvious to me as I get further along in my life how, you know, it's not just that people need to be trained on how to intervene. People actually need to be trained on how to notice, <laughs> how to how to right. notice or how to understand that the thing that they're seeing is what they're seeing. Um, yeah, and An intervention would even be useful. Exactly right, and um, I think for me it ties back to this underlying frustration that I have generally with um, with humans. Um, where I feel like <laughs> all the humans, where I feel like, you know, we can look at story arcs in film, television, books, and see that, um, you know, there's a sort of, there's a tacit acceptance of the idea that there, that people do bad things. Tacit. <laughs> and that is you know, usually a primary motivator for many of the narratives that we consume, right? People do bad things. <laughs> Almost all of them. And <laughs> um, not that that people, not that there's like good guys and bad guys or evil people and good people, but that people do bad things. Um, mm. But then in real life, I think sometimes there's like a struggle to recognize like people do bad things and yeah. something has to be done not about it people. you know yeah. like some something has to be done when someone does a bad thing there should be a consequence for that bad thing that they did and yeah. and and it it doesn't have to be a high level consequence but that the very least we should be able to say stop doing the bad thing don't do that bad yeah. thing Just don't do that bad so thing. that's what bothers me is like we it's like part yeah. of our brains knows that people do bad things and they should be stopped but then it doesn't translate into real life often enough to say yeah. i'm gonna say stop i'm gonna say don't do that i'm gonna if i hear you talking to that person that way i'm gonna stop you from doing it it's not okay yep. it's not okay yeah. with me it's not okay with me you know as opposed to yeah. i'm gonna wait and see if the person who's the target of that behavior stands up for themselves. Well, sometimes people can't stand up for themselves, you know, or why should everyone have to, you know, if you were, if you're witnessing it, say something. That's right. <laughs> that's what's, that's right. That's bothering me. It's bothering me right now. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really grateful you said all that. <clears throat> I, it reminds me, I feel like a few years ago, I, I had, I was feeling that rage and I said something like, I was just like, we shouldn't be polite in the face of like white supremacy and capitalism and patriarchy. Like I feel like so many of our problems stem from not noticing and being willing to step in in the moment. Yeah. Um, and so then things either build up to needing a massive intervention because I'm like, there's so many things. I'm like, if we just said in real time, that's not that's not okay. Right. <laughs> that's not say? ethical. That's, that's not actually, fair. <laughs> yeah, that's not fair. That's not kind. That's not aligned with the values of this place. Um, but that's how those systems are structured. Like all of those systems are structured to to kind of demand us to be kind in the face of them. And so I really appreciate you saying that. That's just like mm. the bullying happens inside each of those systems. Yeah. And, and there and it happens and it happens at the to me that's where 
that's where shit is happening at the level of individual and interpersonal responsibility. Like there's a lot that I as an individual may not have personal responsibility or capacity or influence to do anything about. But those kinds of behaviors I do and other people do too. That's the thing. (laughs) That's the thing. It's like noticing if you could, if you could do something, do something. Exactly. That's my people. Exactly. That's my (laughs) flume. And I was just talking to someone today who was like, do you know the song? Oh, it was Sage Crump, my Mm -hmm. um, emergency strategy ideation institute co-worker. Sage Um, Crump. The great Sage. Um, And Sage was like, you know, small acts, the Bob Marley song. It's really important to be the small acts, like these big systems, these big trees. Like we all have to be small. That like that's the small acts. Yes. Of, like I see the big system of patriarchy and how you're bullying this person. Right. And I will small. And I will that small act that <laughs> exactly. Yes. <laughs> Beautiful. Um, really good. So my flume of rage is at a different level, but also really important to me, which is <laughs> the stingy recycling program here in Detroit. Mm, and mm, 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 I am, I'm so upset <laughs> every time it's recycling day because, I mean, on one hand, we have recycling that gets picked up from our homes, which is huge, wonderful thing, right. which was fought for and right. organized for. And like, we finally got it. And I'm like, fucking yay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. This is what I'm, I'm that kind of girl. I want to just put the recycling out in front of my house. I used to drive it like as a Saturday right. spiritual home practice, I used to load my vehicle up and take it over to the recycling center and like put in all the things. I also found some joy in that. But now it's such a wonderful thing to just be like it's being picked up in front of the home. But it's pandemic and which means there's a lot more recycling happening, at least in my home and I think in a lot of homes because because you're there i can no longer go and you know use my my reusable bags at the grocery store right right you know that that like so there's tons more bags and then there's just more boxes because more things are being delivered that i normally would have gone out and bought somewhere you know personally Mm -hmm. um and i'm really committed to recycling my sweetheart is really committed to recycling right she runs a business (laughs) so we're we also get massive shipments of stuff right so um so we ordered two additional recycling bins to the house, which you pay for, right? So like we are, we are a big recycling building. Right. It's a whole building right. of us. And we have like five bins now or something. So you can see our commitment to this. And so when we put it out, if we go and we fill up all the bins plus some over the course of the two weeks, we very neatly still break it all down and put it out there to be picked up. And I don't understand what the recycling people are thinking when they come and they see that beautifully broken down organized box that it's just like, just also pick that box up, you know, like I dumped all the bins in and then there's one more box full of stuff that is recyclable stuff. And I hope, you know, maybe our readers will be like, well, here's the reason why they can't do that. You know, here's what's going on. The truck can't pick up that box or whatever it is. But I'm like, we are paying all the money that we're supposed to pay here to help out with this program. We're doing all the work on our side to like break it down, to make sure it's in the right place. And then it just gets left there. So it's like, we come and it's like five empty bins. And then that box. box has often been knocked by the truck or knocked over by some other vehicle or something else. 
And so then we just have this strewn about situation <laughs> where it's like, okay, okay, now we're just going to have to move that box into the into other the bins. Into the other bins. <laughs> and now it's going to be too full again in two weeks when you come back, right? Man, every two weeks. Is open. There's no else. And it's only two weeks, right? Yeah. So I'm like, if y'all were doing it weekly, maybe that would help. But it's every two weeks that they're picking it up and... Anyway, it feels like there's, it feels like there's, you know, I'm just sort of like, what's, what's happening here? And, and like, what would the adjustment look like so that <laughs> this doesn't keep happening? Because now we're just building up. Right. You know, the whole building is still committed to like the stuff being recycled. Right. Just going in the trash. Right. So now our alley is just becoming this place of extraneous recyclable, recyclable hopefuls, you know, um, also rants. <laughs> also like, rants. I also, I was a, mm-hmm. I too am a can. Mm-hmm. I too am a glass, you know. Um, I too am a box full of boxes. Right. So it, yeah, it's been. It's infrastructure. It's, been, it's infrastructure. It's infrastructure. It's infrastructure. Clearly. And it's like, this is where I can't wait for the future in which emergence is more tied into how infrastructures move. So it's like, oh, this is an adaptation that 11 months in, I think we could have figured out that <laughs> everyone is recycling more because everyone is getting more delivery. Mm-hmm. And what could emerge from that? Like, right, right. How could that actually be an abundance that we don't ever leave on the street, but that we pick up and f- find other ways to make use of? So that's a that's beautiful vision. That's a beautiful vision. I love how like specific to home your flume is. Really appreciate that. Yes, because everything <laughs> is happening here. <laughs> this is where my life is. <laughs> so it's a new experience. It's a beautiful this is something thing. That I think my neighbors used to always be the ones who like. Don't, and now I'm like, I am like, <laughs> I am joining the group of people who have hard feelings about this. <laughs> I have hard feelings about this. All right. So, fifth season. Exhale. Here we are. Here we are. We love, <laughs> we love the fifth season, and now we are in a fifth season. I know. Oh. <laughs> it's amazing. Um, so yeah, five seasons in. We wanted to give y'all just a little sense of what you can expect from this season because each season has some specificities to it. And this one, we're bringing in some elements that you like. So these segments that y'all gave us positive feedback on, we're gonna do more of those. Um, And we're also gonna do, so last season, one of the biggest hits of our entire podcast ever was the Apocalypse Survival Series that you produced, Autumn. And people are just like hungry for more and more of that. So do you wanna share a little bit about you know, what could happen, what you could foresee happening with the so, additional survival skills stuff. Yeah, it's like, it's so exciting um, how, both how how that ser- mini-series was received and, and what becomes possible coming next. And yes. we are, um, in addition to our um, mainstay episodes that we're going to be producing over the course of the season, um, we are going to be producing um, shorts, so apocalypse survival shorts. Um, the thing that we haven't quite figured out yet is where in the season they are going to air. Um, it depends right. on the speed with which we can pull some of the content together. So um, 
So listeners can expect that it may be something that we start dropping periodically between regular episodes. It may be something where we drop the content all at once at a later point in the year. Um, But the idea is that we want to be able to give, um, we want to be able to talk about and give some context and instruction for some more of what we would consider to be like the hard skills of apocalypse survival, but in more bite-sized chunks. So not so much the... You know, there was so much beauty in the mini series last year with the, you know, we did hour to hour and a half long interviews with people. Um, and we know that people are hungry for, you know, specifics that are easy to consume. And of course, so many of us are home so much more right now, which means we're not necessarily getting to like listen to podcasts while we're commuting in the car or on the train or doing whatever, you know, like the the way that people are consuming podcasts might also be changing because of the pandemic. Yeah. And so we want to be able to give people some short content as well. Um, so that's yeah. coming. It's not coming right away. We're still figuring out the shape of it, but we're going to be we're going to be um, talking about some of those more specific skills. We might bring back some of the special guests from last season but of course we'll be bringing in new voices as well so it's gonna be exciting i'm really excited and i feel like my commitment is to just not mess it up because i feel like you really did it well and i was away (laughs) and i'm like i'm here well Um, it's i don't think you could mess it up girl and i think it's going to be really fun to like you know to share that work of interviewing people and and bringing in some of those skills, you know, because I think we have two different brains. You'll ask different questions than I would ask, and that is going to be cool for people to see, too. So we do have different brains. We do have different brains. Um, and obviously, like a major question throughout obviously the our brains often share thoughts. And yes. one of the things that our listeners might not know is that, often, that oftentimes Adrian and I will be sharing a thought about a thing and we won't realize it until like months into the process of having those thoughts and that's kind of cool it's pretty cool Um, it's almost like we're sisters it's like we're sisters or something (laughs) and this it feels like a good moment to share with people that the other day i was excited about being able to do a watch you know some one of these programs where we can watch stuff together Mm -hmm. and you were like i've been really enjoying telepathy through netflix and (laughs) Right. I I I legitimately, without any hesitation, was just like, so actual telepathy is working for you. That's amazing. <laughs> I was just like, cool. I'm I'm about it. Just show me how to do it. Right. I'm here for it. And I was like, like oh, that was a typo. I meant teleparty, but <laughs> but I was ready. You were so ready. So ready. You were so ready for, so ready for like, telepathy. Finally. Um. All right. So and that feels like a good segue have- to talk about like. Exactly. One of the things that's going to happen in this yeah. season that is about to unfold. Yes. So this is a podcast of siblings, right? This is us in our sisterhood um, talking about the ways that we see the world. And we are not just sisters, but we're sisters who are in relationship to movement, in relationship to trying to change the world around us in some ways, um, some major ways. And we have spent most of our adult lives, especially talking about those ways and learning from each other, shaping each other, influencing each other, um, moving together at times. And, you know, sometimes I see us like that scene in, in Star Wars where um, Ray and 
what's his name? Kylo Ren. Kylo Ren are like back to back and they've just had their lightsabers unleashed. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, just we're like, we're working different parts of the space, but we're like united in what we're doing. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, and we're not the only siblings in movement doing that. Exactly. So we are super excited this season to invite some other dynamic duos, (laughs) um, some other sibling pairs to come join us on the show and to talk about what it means to have a familial background, you know, to really share the shaping of family and then to come into a particular moment in history where movement is um, growing and divergent and changing and to then find yourself in two places um, within that or multiple places as you go through life's changes. So. We're super excited about it. I can share with y'all a few of the people who've already said yes. Yay! Um, so we're going to get to speak with um, Leah and Naima Peniman. Um, so Leah, we heard from last season mm-hmm. in the Apocalypse Survival series. Naima, we've been, you've known since college. Yeah, and Naima and I went to school together. Um, and Naima is a poet organizer. Leah is a farmer organizer. Mm-hmm. Um, they're both super dynamic, powerful healer sisters, and they're going to be on the show with us. We're so excited. Um, I feel like in a way we've super- been, we've the four of us have been manifesting this for some time. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel like, yeah, I feel like we've been like, we'll do a sister retreat. We'll do right. this. We'll do that. <laughs> and it's like, let's just get a conversation. Yeah. <laughs> that, that would be a huge step in the right direction. Um, so... They said yes. Um, we have a yes from Nana Kana and Navina Kana, who are incredible siblings who I have known and worked with many, many times over the years. But Nana and I first met back in the League of Pissed Off Voters and kind of like fell in love trying to figure out like, okay, it's not elections, but like, how do we change everything? Right, 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 right. And <laughs> Nana went on to be one, the founder of the Positive Women's Network for organizing women with HIV AIDS mm-hmm. and that work has been super incredible. Navina is a food justice warrior and has started network after network after network of people who are moving food justice in the world. Um, and so they're going to come and join us. Mm-hmm. And um, then one other pair who I can name that already said yes is Makani Thimba and Robin DG Kelly. Oh, and my I'm God. I'm about both of them. <laughs> I look up to them like, oh, ho, ho. Um, you know, writers, strategists, thinkers, cultural shapers, um, and they're a, a generation above me. Right. Um, and they're siblings who I am always amazed. Actually, a lot of people don't even know they're siblings. <laughs> so, I, did, I didn't like, know. Hey, <laughs> they are siblings. They're super cute siblings. And um, we're excited to have them on the show. So that is just a taste um, we've also invited several other pairs of siblings and we'll be unveiling, um, you know, them as we go. Mm-hmm. But I'm really, really, really excited to to just see what this feels like. Because I know that when we, whenever we interact with other people, they're like, it's so exciting that we are doing this podcast because we are siblings and right. what it feels like to right. be immersed in the relationship. And our promise to you all as listeners is that we will have conversations that are not super insular right like we work hard to make sure that our sibling conversations can actually translate to you as someone who may not have siblings as someone who may not like your siblings as someone who has a variety of you know chosen and blood family in the world 
um, we always try to make sure that what we're offering can be broader than yeah. that. Yeah. And we're really interested in this this piece too. It's like, what does it mean to be family, to bring family into movement, to root into family? And mm-hmm. eventually, I think we all want to be able to be in a relationship of chosen family with tons of people and tons of siblings. So, yeah. Um, some best practices hopefully will come out of that. Yay. I'm so Yay. excited. Excited. Um, yeah. And then another thing we're looking to bring to y'all, which we have threatened ourselves <laughs> for um, several seasons now, is merch. Merch. We're so, trying. We are out here trying. We are out here trying. To get ourselves in the way of merch. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I, I mean, it's. I think for for two anti-capitalists we're doing great yeah um we're so because good it's only taken us four and a half to five years to decide like we're done and really do this <laughs> and like we did do the partnership <laughs> with dory midnight and there is still this beautiful tincture that you can get right um and we do have so many of you are patreon patron patrons of us um, meaning you support our work in an ongoing fashion. So initially we wanted to just create some merch for y'all mm-hmm. because we're like, you give us so much. You make it so possible for us to do this. You should have a t-shirt. You should have a fanny pack. You should have something. Right. Um, so this is going to be the year where we figure that something out. And we have a very exciting designer working on it. Named <laughs> the founder of the Yazi clothing company, a degendered clothing company. So, um, we think they're going to make something very, very, very fly. They do make excellent things. They make excellent they, they, things. They really have upgraded my, like, I didn't know sweatpants could feel like that. And, Me neither. Um, I'm really biased, mm-hmm. of course, um, because I love them. But <laughs> also I expect, I'm just like, I don't know. We might end up with like a velvet fanny pack or just something outrageous. Oh, that's what I want. So. I've just been wanting a fanny pack the whole time. That's me too. Yeah. Well, and let's just say it's a fanny pack. Yeah, it's definitely. I mean, Can we just decide that right yeah, now. Yeah, it's a fanny pack. That's it's what we're bringing into the pack. world That's as a fanny pack. That's what we're bringing to you. <laughs> <laughs> we're doing it in 2021. It's happening. Yes. All right. All right. <sighs> so that's what's coming. That's what's coming. Now, I think we should talk a little bit about like what else is going on in the world. So I wanted to ask you a question or two. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can ask me the same questions back or if you have some other questions. Mm-hmm. But what else, besides our amazing podcast, <laughs> what else are you excited about in 2021, Autumn? Mm, yeah. You know what's weird about 2021 is, like, I feel like I'm still arriving in this year, you know? Um, <laughs> Same. I mean, every year there's that point in the year where you realize you're still writing the last year's, the last year on your mm-hmm. checks, you know? <laughs> Like and you have to be like, you need to be like, oh, right, it's 9, 20, 20, 20, da, da, da. Uh, um, yeah. So it takes you till September. And it's like, yeah. it takes me until September. No, but I, hopefully it won't take me until <laughs> September this year. But, you know, every year there's that. But this year especially feels like it hasn't felt like a total clear demarcation between um, last no. year and this year because so many of the conditions are the same. But now Mia Bird's song is actually like this is the 13th and now 14th month of 2020. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Let's just keep um, But I can say yeah. so things that I'm excited about this year. Um, so what just happened this month is that my short story that was originally published in Octavia's Brood just got reprinted in Lightspeed magazine. 
And that literally just like it dropped, I think, today or yesterday on the website, but it's also available in the ebook um, that Lightspeed publishes every month. And that was really amazing to experience because they actually came to me and asked to reprint the the story um and and for folks who may not know lightspeed is like one of the powerhouse sci-fi magazines like it's a big deal it's a really big deal for sci-fi writers i was like i can't believe this is happening (laughs) um so that just happened and it feels very it feels very potent because um, I am once again, I'm re-entering a period where I'm going to be um, <laughs> trying again to finish my book. And for those mm-hmm. for those of our listeners who've been like following my journey around my book, um, it's been quite a um, it's been quite a like two steps forward, three steps back kind of process. Um, and you know, I was really I was on the cusp of finishing my book in the spring of 2019 and then had to set the work aside because of um, what I was going through in my personal life and the fact that I just really had to like protect, like put a protective wall around my creative work. And then I didn't, I wasn't able to, it took so long to stabilize that um, my life that I wasn't able to return to the book until August, 2020 when I had a two week writing residency and then and then fall 2020 was what it was and winter 2020 was what it was you know um you know it's like i there there have it's it's really continued to be such a fight for me to like make room for creative work in my life but but i remain really committed to finishing this book and i remain really excited about the book um and so the the thing i'm most looking forward to in 2021 is like bringing that project over the finish line um, and finding a publisher, like doing all of the things that you have to do in order to actually like then bring the book into the world. Um, So, um, so that feels exciting. I'm also doing some writing, some nonfiction writing right now that I feel really excited about. So on the, um, on the day of the inauguration, January 20th, I published on my blog, a piece that I had been working on for several months um, uh, called White Danger on the subject of double consciousness and white people. And it's the, f- I'm imagining it as the first in a series of essays that I'm going to be writing that are really structured around the work that I've been doing around whiteness for over a decade. Um, and so it feels really good to be <clears throat> putting this analysis and like the, th- basically putting the theoretical ground for my work out into the world in a different way. Um, And so I'm looking forward to getting to just put more of that work into the world and, and see how it lands for folks and how it's resonating and whether the concepts make sense in this format, you know? Um, So this really, to me, I, I did a year ahead tarot spread on my birthday and one of the themes that came through so strongly for me, this, for, for the, from November 2020 to November 2021 was um, the power of words. And so I'm really Mm -hmm. putting a lot of focus into um, like using, using the power of my words as responsibly as possible, but also not being afraid of my own power as a communicator and as a writer. So yeah. That's what I'm looking forward That's to. Very exciting, That's what sister. I'm looking forward to. 
Yeah. What are you looking um, forward to? As one of your biggest fans as a writer, I'm like, now that is on my list of excitements. <laughs> so I'm just Thank like, you. yes. I want to see all those things. And um, for me, I'm so, I, I'm excited about a lot of things that are also written uh, projects this year. I have, I'm aiming for a three book year. Um, three so we'll see book year. One, two, exact, three. Um. Two, three, three book year. So it may or may not play out that way, but I figured why not aim for it? Why not aim high? Ursula Le Guin did it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Ursula Le Guin did it um, at least once, I think maybe a couple times um, and in multiple genres. And I'm like, I didn't know that. You know, I want to try. I want to try. Yeah, I, I figured out because I did this Ursula Le Guin sci-fi reader that's finally coming out this year that's like beautifully oh, designed right. and it's actually going to happen. And when I was doing the bibliography for it, I was like, wait a second, those all came out the same year. And what it, it awakened a new hunger in me of like, well, what kind of writing practice um, would I need to be in in order to do something like that? Seriously. And I'm like, well... I already have a book that's slated to come out in the spring, Holding Change. That's, that's right. That's the facilitation mediation one. So that's like coming. And then I have a novella, a fiction novella that I've written about Detroit mm-hmm. that has been sitting in the wings waiting to be <laughs> seen. Um, and I found someone who wants to publish that. And then I have a collection of like short stories and poems that I think I could also um easily put out this year some of them are already published right right. that's how these collections happen so Mm -hmm. um so that's the goal which feels like a really like ambitious (laughs) large-scale hefty writing goal for me if anyone can do it it's you i feel like if i I feel like if i also feel like if it's possible for me to do it i want to know that yeah and i want to know because i'm like then i want to do that (laughs) Forever. <laughs> like, I just want to do a ton of books. Like, I, I have so much to say. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, so I'm thinking about say, so, so many different things all the time. Right. 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 And, uh, and I'm noticing in myself, I think I become a better listener when I have good places to pour out my thoughts. Yeah. Um, word. Totally. Right? I'm also excited. This year, I have three podcasts happening in the world and in all of them. So this one is the like foundational home podcast. Mm -hmm. And then Octavius Parables, we're diving into the parable of the talents this year. Oh, cool. Which I'm super geeked about. We're about to kick that off. And then for Emergent Strategy Ideation Institute, Sage and Mia and I um, interviewed all these different people, including you, sister. That's true. Who (laughs) were like, you are emergent strategists to us. You are people who we see practicing and doing emergent things in the world. And we really want to, it's part of a decentralization effort, really, right? It's just like, so many people are practicing and living and doing emergent strategy in the world. Totally. And one of the things that has happened is people like Adrian is emergent strategy. And I'm like, I am emergent strategy as is Sage, as is Mia, and as are these 50 people we interviewed. Right, <laughs> And right. we could easily do another 50 every year, every couple months, you know? There's so many people practicing right. it right now. Right. So we wanted some place to start to uplift and shine a light on just how far this 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 uh, modality is moving, this, this framework is moving. Word. Um, so that's exciting. 
my commitment across all three of them is to just keep deepening my listening and like interrupting less, being more present with like how, how the rhythm of the conversation is actually going and making sure I'm really listening. Mm -hmm. Um, which, you know, I get so excited. And so I'm like, how can I be an excited listener? (laughs) (laughs) That's such a good question. Right. Cause I mean, this is my whole problem. Like, I feel like I've do- I've gotten really good at like or I've gotten much better at at not interrupting verbally, but I'm totally a nodder, and even that I think can be very. Yes. Some people are like, I mean, I've experienced this too, right? Sometimes when people are nodding at you while you're talking, it feels like good and affirmative, but then other times yes. it feels like, why why are you nodding? You what? You know, it's like <laughs> it can be disorienting. Um, because then sometimes people interpret me nodding as me already knowing the thing that they're saying, which then makes them feel undermined, yeah. which is real, you know? So it's, it's hard to be a human out here trying to communicate it's so hard. and be it's excited so hard. at the same like, time. You know, we are family. So there's a rhythm that I, I mean, I get a lot of pleasure from the way we communicate, which is sometimes tumbling over each other, like the rapids, right. you know? And exactly. Like, I know that you're hearing me while also saying whatever you're saying. Right. <laughs> it's a skill. Um, and it's a skill um, or a flagrant lack of skill. Like I, it's one of the others, it's one right? Of the I don't know which one it is, but it's like, it feels like the way that I'm most present. And it's as a, it's I a family way into these different relationships with people, including other people in our family, like our sister, I'm like, wait, <laughs> how do I actually show this person that I'm with them? And how do I adapt to be with them? And um, it's been really beautiful. Um, Nalo and I are doing this thing called Black Honey for this new app called Clubhouse, where we're reading all about love together out Mm. loud. And then we converse about it. And I feel like it's one of the places I'm I'm like, oh, yeah, how do I how do I do this with Nalo? How do I do this with Toshi? How do I do this with Autumn? How do I do this with all these different guests? Like. I actually have plenty of places to be heard in my life now. Totally. So how do I trust trust that mm. and let my excitement be grounding rather than bubbling up like champagne? <laughs> like I'm like, how do I let it be rooting down like, like tree roots? Yeah. Um, I think the only other thing I want to mention that I'm super excited about is the Octavia Butler tarot deck. Ooh! Yes. I want to know the timeline. It's, it's happening. So the goal is um, by her birthday on June 21st, like that we're mm-hmm. still oriented towards that as a goal. And it's a pandemic goal. So now that, you know, for me, the pandemic goal, and this maybe transitions us into the next question I have, is pandemic goals, I've, I feel like it's really changed my relationship to time. Is I'm like, you know, we'll set that as a goal, but if we're all trying to survive and it's too much, then it might be a month after that or a couple months after that. Right. And everyone will still be happy when this tarot deck arrives. Right. <laughs> I mean, it's great. like it's a it's a labor of love, you know, so it really is whatever timeline you want it to be on. It's a labor of love. And we have some of the most dynamic, incredible artists and oracles. And I mean, it's just a beautiful team of people. And so it's one of those things where the the adage is true if you want to go fast go alone um but if you want to 
actually make the most beautiful deck of all time. Mm-hmm. Go, Go together. together. <laughs> so, um, or one of the most beautiful things. You know, it really, the art alone, I just, I'm like, Every day I go and look at the art that's been submitted for it. We got some incredible artists. And I just go, look, and I'm like, I can't believe that this is being tied in with Octavia's wisdom and that people are going to read this and it'll shape their day or their relationship or how they're viewing their, their life in that moment. Right. Um, so. Yeah. It's amazing, too, to think about. Like, yeah. I just think about the the power that gets imbued in tarot decks um, once they're in the hands of people too, that like yes. they come, they change and they come to take on whole new meanings as they become, as they are used. And it's exactly. like so cool to think about the, like the futures of this deck, you know, exactly. because of all of the thousands to possibly millions of people who are going to hold this deck and use this deck and like draw their futures from this deck. Like that is very exactly. cool. And this amazing organizer, Chelsea Cleveland, like dreamed the deck and really dreamed it as something that could be in a go bag, right? Wow. Like, I didn't know Chelsea so was really it. Trying to... This was Chelsea's idea? Yeah. So Chelsea had this dream uh, and like woke up from this dream. I was like, we should make this deck. And you know me, I've been wanting to make an Octavia Butler deck forever and ever. And I was just like, oh, that'll just happen when I'm 80. Mm-hmm. And but then Chelsea dreamed it like as a this needs to happen. Wow. I was like, yes, that sounds super geeked out. We reached out to Alta Star, who's like the super oracle. It has like 80 decks, tarot decks. And we're like, mm-hmm. you know, let's do this. And then we asked Lottie Spady to come on as an herbalist. And Lottie is like the Detroit herbalist. Like right. hands in the dirt. Let's learn about the moon. Let's figure it all out. So that team came together. And then Krista Franklin came on as the art director. And now we just have wow. me, Damon Davis, Soraya John, 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 El- John Lewis McElroy. Mm-hmm. Um, we have um, Paul Levin, who that who has done like many of the covers of Octavia's work over oh, the years. Wow, John Jennings, who did the cover of Octavia's Brood, who did the graphic novels, what? Um, and then Crystal Clarity, who's like this incredible movement artist who does all these murals and like like it's just out. That sounds so exciting. <laughs> it's outrageous. <laughs> it's outrageous. So I'm I'm like a fan of this thing that I can't believe I'm also getting to work on and. I'm really geeked out about it. Um, and that question, the last question I had for us before we moved into the cultural pop, our top culture moment mm-hmm. was how has the pandemic changed you? <laughs> and I think for me, that's that's the big, that's the way the pandemic has changed me, has been like my relationship to projects and time mm. or work in time. Yeah. Is that I feel like I've always moved at such a fast clip, like, yeah. There's just no slowing down. There's no, you know, it's just like we said we were going to be done by this time and this is when we will be done and whatever happens, it's going to be done. And I, everything has to go so fast. And right now I'm just like everything has to go at the pace that it needs to go. Yeah. Every project needs breath. Every project needs to be able to pause if there's like a takeover of the capital or something like that. Right. You know what's happening in the world, right? right. Ted Cruz is running. A, is the one person staying warm throughout the, you know, freezing. We might just have to pause snack. and acknowledge that. We might just have to pause and all make memes to make fun of him, right? Whatever <laughs> is happening in real time in a in a given moment, we need to be with. I feel like right now the pandemic has shown me how much like if we're gonna know this much about what's happening in the world, 
we also need to give ourselves time to be able to be with it, respond to it, grieve, feel it, Mm -hmm. and then recenter and come back into the work. And I'm really grateful for all the different partnerships I'm in because it feels like everyone is in this kind of relating to time. Like that urgency was never good for us anyway. Yeah. And now we're getting a chance to like be in a pace that works for us or works a little better. How do I land and find myself inside that pace? I love that. And if I'd still want to work too fast, I can just do a solo project. (laughs) Like, right. Right. It's like you can just take that energy and then channel it where it belongs. <laughs> exactly. What about you? Is there anything you would point to as a the way pandemic has changed you? Mm. Well, I was I was having a conversation with my coach yesterday who and I was just sharing with her like just some of what I had been through in the last 6 months and how grounded I continue to feel in mm. in spite of all these different you know things some of which were like truly outrageous you know things yeah. that I had to navigate over the last six months and Honey, she was yes. pointing out to me she's like Autumn it really seems like you've kind of like leveled up to this different um both like a different place in your career but also a different place in your in yourself like you're like in this yes. you're kind of like ascending in some way to a different zone um and that. and we were talking about like the how mysterious the concept of resilience actually is um mm. you know how like there's all these people who are researching and writing about it and like trying to understand what it is but like fundamentally we don't really understand why some people have a lot of resilience and some people don't um and she was like like kind of reflecting that back to me of like your capat like your resilience is so like out of scale and and <clears throat> and what was cool in that moment was to realize that like the pandemic has given me this opportunity to like see my resilience in real time and to see that it's not me it's my resilience is not me sort of like crouching and barreling. It is really me being like, I am a pillar and I, I'm 100% capable of like standing in my truth in this moment, regardless of what else is happening. And that doesn't mean I'm inflexible. It just means I'm super in touch with every part of who I am. No matter, I'm not, I'm not like, numbing out I'm not defending myself I'm not you know I'm not doing a lot of the things that I had to do for so many years and um and it feels really cool it's and and it it feels like I was already on this trajectory and then I think the way that the pandemic has changed me slash my trajectory is that the pandemic has forced me or has given me the opportunity to really be aware of what's happening and to be yes. aware of how differently I'm moving through crisis than I have yes. in the past. Um, because because it, 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 the thing you were describing of like, you know, when you're not going anywhere, yeah. you know, and there's, you know, when you are, when you're recovering so much more of your time, then you really can see what's happening. 
you know? (laughs) And so it's like, I'm really getting to see what's happening inside me. And I have to say, I'm so pleased. Like I'm so pleased with where I am and so pleased with how strong I feel and so pleased that, you know, I'm so pleased about the decisions I made over the last couple of years that got me here because I feel really like, Mm. wow, I had to take some really big risks. I had to do some things that I was really scared to do and I'm reaping the rewards of taking those risks and doing things even though I was scared. And now I'm like, oh, my life feels so good. And it's not that it's yeah. not that things aren't hard. Like, of course, everything is still hard. But like, yeah. I feel good. I feel good inside myself. Um, that's right. So that's, yeah. I I always hesitate to give the pandemic credit for anything, but I do think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean that's what I, it's like. I think of it as the conditions created by dealing and facing with you know the pandemic. Yes. Like, this is something that I would never have wished on my worst enemy. Mm-hmm. I would not wish this amount of grief and loss on us. Um, I I keep thinking we can't handle it, and then we keep handling it. Right, and right. I keep looking back and being like, okay, throughout history, this is what happens. This is what history, history is made of these kind of moments of overwhelming circumstances that you either rise to meet or that overwhelm you and that you get lost in or you get found in. Right. And I really feel, you know, there's just the constant fear of like, this pandemic still might take my life. It still might take the lives of other people I love. Right. So that's also constantly present is in this moment, I'm learning to live more fully in relationship to a a closer and closer mortality. Yeah. And it's such a, a particular way to walk way to move through the world. I'm excited to talk about our top culture as we close out tonight because I feel like culture, oh, I get it. I just, I can't stand culture enough. Like I'm just like, there's so <laughs> much incredible culture happening that's helping us get through this that that might be the other thing that's changes i'm like i feel unapologetic about anything that entertains me about <laughs> anything that's getting me through this um so i can go first or you can go first you have a i have two i have up? i have two things i'm ready one is bridgerton I yes shonda did it again all is fair in love and war I have watched the show all the way through twice and listeners know I'm like not even a I'm I'm I can no longer really put myself in the category of people who are serious TV watchers and I have watched very little television for the last couple of years but I watched that entire ass show twice because it's uh, so entertaining and so I love I just I love fantasy, obviously, but I especially love like alternate history fantasy where it's like, yeah. you know, and, and I love I loved just like surrendering myself into the Bridgerton landscape where it's like in this alternate history, like there's been some big change that happened that made it so everyone is like living together in diversity. 
and we're going to barely <laughs> sexual and we're diversity. going to barely at all comment on it. It's just yes. It's just a fact <laughs> of it's a fact of the environment. It's part of the world. We've established it and it's going to be commented on like twice over the course of the entire arc of the show, but that's it. Otherwise, we're just living in this world in which everyone's diverse. Um or all the like interracial couples everywhere, all the things. And I was like, I surrender. I love this. I love I love what feels possible in a world like this. Um, so that was my thing. I've yeah, I've watched it through twice now. I probably am gonna watch it all the way through again because it's so much. It's just so pleasurable to watch. I do think I just love the world of it. Like I the love actual colors and the feel. the costumes, the wigs, the queen's wigs. My God. Anyway, it's a whole the thing. Badass black queen. The badass yes. black queen. I love her. Um, and all of her hairdos. Um. But and I will also say, like, I think the sex is not as X rated as everyone made it out to be, but also no, feels like yeah. probably really accurate. Um, <laughs> but but also, yeah, like, you know, that actor who plays um, the Duke, he is, you know, he mm. he is not hard to watch do anything. Um, so he grows on you he, specifically between the thighs. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, I was like very happy about that. And then my one other top culture thing is not, it's like, it's commentary on the culture. And, um, I read, um, I read this amazing, very short book called 10 reasons to delete your social media accounts right now. And it really forced me to reckon with the impact of algorithms on my brain and on my relationships and on society as a whole. And I am really, I'm still in a deep consideration of the like the invitation that the author makes in the book to, uh -huh. you know, and he's not, he's not saying like delete permanently forever, but he's like, take six months and just yes. live without it and see how your life feels. Um, right. And also basically saying, like, if people don't start leaving these platforms, then technologists will never develop new ones that have different business models. So someone uh -huh. has to do it. Right. That. That's that's the framework yeah. is like the business model is fundamentally inhumane. And if we don't actually walk away from it, then we will not then no one is going to develop the new ones or they won't be able to they won't they won't gain enough market share. Right. <laughs> that people will actually right. use them. That's right. So I feel it's very, very, very compelling. I highly recommend that anyone read it who wants to. Um, I did. I'm really excited. I've started as I've been talking about this more. I'm getting really good recommendations from listeners and from friends for additional reading or additional documentaries that we could be watching um, mm -hmm. that are specifically looking at racism inside of these digital systems. Um, and so I'm excited. I'm, I'm just continue on this. Like I'm on like a res a personal research journey. Um, so it. I'll keep going and it. I'll keep reporting back. I'm so excited you're on that journey. And I can't wait because Janine de Novage, um, the beloved is writing a book that I think is going to be part of that. Ugh. The ooh. Ooh. Anyway, she's writing a book that's going to be part of that research. Um, so my top culture things, but first of all, affirm yours. Um, mm -hmm. We're in Black History Month as we're recording this, and mm -hmm. everything about Black History Month is awesome. my top culture. Yes, um, I just I love 
I really am like, I could use this all the time, all year long, all the time. All the time. But I really love all the different creators who harness this time and offer such beautiful things. So yeah. I just feel like there's so much more uplifting of people, so much more photography, so much more art, so much more honoring. And um, I've been really happy because Rachel Cargill and I have both been offering different prompts and from different places, from different like instigations inside of Black History Month. But mine are like writing prompts, right? Like write about stuff. And I really feel like the ancestors are the top culture inside my top culture. Cause I feel like literally every morning I'm waking up and I'm getting these ancestral messages that are like, here's the next thing to write about. Cool. And Rachel Cargill um, is doing a series that are like, go Google this. It's basically an instigation for people to go learn something new about black history that they didn't know. So it's like, go Google this inventor, go Google this, oh. like go learn something. Right. And I think it's just such a, but I see so many people just like, here's what we have to offer into this month. And it's so delicious. I also made a commitment to reading black authors this month and Stacey Abrams um, I think we may have talked about this here, but Stacey Abrams writes romance novels under a pen name, Selena Montgomery. That's right. I'm reading Reckless right now. And it's in that Bridgerton category where it's like everything is throbbing and like, <laughs> you know, brush against somebody and everything's wet and like it's moist. Mm -hmm. Very moist, very, moist, so very throbbing. It's very, very sensual. Very, you know, and I'm, I'm, romance novels are not generally like the place I go to. So it's a very, it feels like, like just a, wildly other experience to immerse myself in so, so true I'm love it. yeah i'm just like i read either non-fictional strategy books or like um science fictional stuff that's very like light on the romance you right. know it's just like right. we're fighting aliens also we fucked you know like I, i'm like oh wait <laughs> this is like emphasis on the sex and emphasis on the romance and there's flower petals and there's like dates and stuff. Um, oh, so, flower petals. Yes. So also flower petals I for Valentine's Day, which I've, you know, I've always been kind of like, whatever Valentine's Day. Nala did like flower petal things. Okay, and see, you're, you're like uh, Valentine's Day until you have a partner who can show you. Who does Valentine's Day Valentine's well. Day. <laughs> <laughs> or like not just Valentine's Day because I, I feel like it's like who does romance. Yes. Right? Like when you have a yes. partner who's like, oh, like romance is one of my languages. Romance is awesome. It changes how romance feels because <laughs> I'm like, oh, it doesn't feel forced. It doesn't feel icky. It doesn't feel capitalist. It just feels like why wouldn't I have rose petals strewn all over the floor in a home spa experience that you created for me? That's great. That sounds you know? awesome. Um, so that was a top culture. <laughs> um, I also got a Nintendo Switch, and I have been killing it on all the old Mario games. Of course you have. It's like, like well, maybe not killing surprising. It, I mean, literally killing my characters over and over again. Oh, I but see. I'm enjoying. You're enjoying it. it. <laughs> Well, I was I was going to say I'm not surprised because I think that one of the things that our listeners maybe don't know is that you are really, really good at Super Mario. Um, because why would they know? That's not a thing that why like it's not that? one of those things that we are out here talking about how we still play Super Mario sometimes when we go home. Exactly. Um, and exactly. I feel like I used to be as good as you. My skills have waned quite a bit, but I feel like you're still really, you really good at it. I'm still really good, but I also is it's because like every time we're home, I really put in work. Like every time we're with our parents, we're the old like we have an old 
Nintendo the, like, that I can't believe it's still vintage works. NES like, system. Mm-hmm. Yes, right. And we just have two games, like Mario. Mm-hmm. You know the Mario Super Mario World that has like the mm-hmm. original four worlds, and then the Mario, the one with Yoshi. Yeah, right. Um, that's Super. Mario. That's Super Mario. So now with this new one with the, the Switch, the game is like it's like Mario Super Mario Deluxe Universe or something. Mm-hmm. So it's new worlds but it's a lot of the same elements like i'm like there's the flying bats here's mm-hmm. the little mushrooms here's the flowers that wings. spit fire exactly mm-hmm. everything's spitting fire so i'm i'm really loving it and i'm just loving again like i'm like all right games are so important games are awesome <laughs> like, and this one has a way that two people can be in the same world <gasps> as for a turn autumn I'm telling you, it's the best thing ever. Oh it's my also God. very hard. I bet it's but really like, hard. Because you, you have to coordinate like, in order to get through to the world. Learning to function as a couple. Yes. <laughs> this shit is so helpful. Like, I'm like, it's therapy. baby, don't jump on my head. Wait, let me boost you up. Okay, let's let's plan out how we, like, use our lives so we can get through, you know, this, this thing that's going to take many of our lives to learn how to get through. Um, we're having a blast. So I love it. Really I'm excellent. so glad for you. I think that's all the top culture that I need to share. Okay. I've got so many. I know you have. I know you're always sitting like on some stuff that you're just going to. Yes. Just keep your list going. And as the season unfolds and as we talk to our sibling guests, there will be room to bring all of it into the world. Thanks for listening to our show. We're on Twitter and Instagram at End of the World PC. We're also on Facebook at End of the World Show. You can make a sustaining donation to our show by visiting our page at patreon.com slash end of the world show. Another incredible thing you could do to help our show sustain itself is to write us a review on Apple Podcasts. If you are an iPhone person, thank you. (laughs) How to Survive the End of the World is produced and edited by the number one bebedere, Zach Rosen. (laughs) Music for today's show comes from Tunde Alaniran. And Mother Cyborg. All right. I love you. I love you too. I'm turning this off. I love everyone. Off.